Let us now turn to what we confess, first of all, in the Canons of Dort, in chapter 3, 4, article 17. page 572 of your book of praise as the heading the use of means the almighty working of God whereby he brings forth and sustains this our natural life does not exclude but requires the use of means by which he, according to his infinite wisdom and goodness, has will to exercise his power. So also the aforementioned supernatural working of God, whereby he regenerates us, in no way excludes or cancels the use of the gospel, which the most wise God has ordained to be the seed of regeneration and the food of the soul. For this reason, the apostles and the teachers who succeeded them reverently instructed the people concerning this grace of God to his glory and to the abasement of all pride. In the meantime, however, they did not neglect to keep them by the holy admonitions of the gospel under the administration of the word, the sacraments, and discipline. So today, those who give or receive instruction in the church should not dare to tempt God by separating what he in his good pleasure has willed to be closely joined together. For grace is conferred through admonitions. And the more readily we do our duty, the more this favor of God who works in us usually manifests itself in its luster. And so his work best proceeds. To God alone, both for the means and for their saving fruit and efficacy, all glory is due throughout eternity. Amen. And let us now turn to what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 25, which deals with the use of means as well, namely the preaching and the sacraments. And then our concentration will especially be on question and answer 65. And here we find God's word summarized as follows. Since then, faith alone makes us share in Christ and all his benefits. Where does this faith come from? From the Holy Spirit who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by their use, he might more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation, 
rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Two, holy baptism and the holy supper. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 33, stanzas 1 and 6. Brothers and sisters, beloved in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, where does faith come from? According to the Catechism, faith comes from the Holy Spirit who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel. Is that really true? If you were to ask a child the question, who gave him or her their faith, what would he or she say? Would a child say to you that he learned all about God because he heard two sermons every Sunday? That's most unlikely, isn't it? Children, especially small children, do not understand a lot of the preaching. They may pick something up here and there, but when it comes right down to it, they don't get it yet. What about us as adults? How do we receive our faith? And how is our faith maintained? How does our faith get strengthened? For you need a strong faith to carry you through life. You need to have a strong faith in the midst of trials and tribulations. You need faith to keep you on the right path and to have you focus on what God is doing in spite of a world that is crumbling all around you and that doesn't believe in God. It is only with a strong faith that you can patiently wait for the second coming of Christ. Where does that faith come from? You can't give it to yourself. You can't really give it to your children either, can you? You can only receive it, as the Catechism says, from the Holy Spirit. It's also what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, namely that God has revealed his secret wisdom, which has been hidden from the world to us by his Holy Spirit. But how does the Holy Spirit work? That's a mystery. He gives faith to some and not to others. It's God's gift. He decides ultimately who will have faith and who will not have faith. For faith is the fruit of our election. Yet faith does not come like lightning falling out of the sky. The Lord God uses means. And that's what I want to preach to you about this afternoon. I will preach to you about the means by which the Holy Spirit creates and strengthens faith. And then we will see that he uses three things. He will use human relationships in the second place, sinful people, and then finally, ordinary reminders. How did you come to faith? Think about your own childhood. Unless you came to faith as an adult, you will have received your faith through your parents. They told you that you're a child of God and that you belong to him in words and in song. Jesus loves me, yes I know, for the Bible tells me so. They sing that song, 
and they teach their children to pray. They do that already when they're little babies. Isn't that right, children? When you were very small, you already had to fold your hands and you had to say amen after the prayer. Now that you're a little older, you have to say your own little prayer after your dad's or your mom's prayer, don't you? You also have to show that you understand some of the Bible reading by repeating the last word or by answering questions. And that's how you learn about God, isn't it? You also go to school. Well, you will again in September. And there, the teacher tells you Bible stories. The teacher tells you about God and all the things that he has been doing in the past and that he will be doing. That's how you learn about God. And so you do not receive faith directly from the minister preaching to you every Sunday, do you? And what about us as adults? Is it only through the preaching that we receive faith? What about our own Bible reading? Doesn't that count? And what about the conversations that we have with other believers, either in persons or in group settings, as is done in study societies? There are also other ways in which we come to believe and in which our faith is strengthened. We see God in nature. We see how he renews all things. We see how he holds this creation together. But we especially come to know God through the relationships that he has established, the relationships that we have with other people. Look at what happened with Paul and the congregation that he established and all the congregations that he established all over the world of that day. In the passage of Acts, which we just read together, we read about the farewell message that Paul gave to the Ephesian elders. He summarizes their past relationships. He reminds them how they got to know one another, how he came there in great humility, and how he even suffered for their sake to the point of tears. He also reminds them of his conduct among them that he did not covet anybody's silver or gold or clothing, and that in every way he served the weak. It was in this way that they had learned to trust Paul and even to love him. If he had not conducted himself with such integrity and unselfishness, the gospel would not have found any fertile ground among them. Without such a deeply established, deeply rooted relationship, he wouldn't have gotten anywhere, would he have? It was a relationship that was based on love and respect and sacrifice. It was a relationship that was based on a true desire to serve others. Paul did not come to the Ephesians for personal gain, whether material or otherwise. He did not come there to become rich or to be admired, or to be famous, or anything like that. No, Paul went there for their sakes, out of unselfish motives. In this way, he mimicked what the Lord Jesus did. For that is also how the Lord Jesus established relationships. When the Lord Jesus began his public ministry, he did so through 
the fellowship that he first established. First of all, with his 12 apostles. He ministered to them with great love and care and understanding and compassion. He would not have gotten anywhere if he had stayed aloof from his creation. If he did not establish a relationship with the people on earth, how do you establish a relationship? By giving, by serving, not yourself, but others just like the Lord Jesus did. He says that he came to serve and not to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is one of the most profound statements that the Lord Jesus ever made. You establish a relationship through sacrifice and you establish it by being trustworthy, by being faithful. You see, brothers and sisters, that is what Christianity is all about. It is through loving relationships that God creates faith. So what is faith, after all? Faith is putting your trust in something or someone. Faith in God is putting your trust in him. And you can trust him only if you know him to be trustworthy, if he has earned your trust. What does that mean? It means that you can accept on the basis of all the evidence that whatever claims he makes about himself are true. For you see, words without a relationship do not mean anything. The problem is that we are sinful and therefore we are skeptical. In the world around us, everything is not the way it seems. When someone tells you something about himself, then you do not necessarily believe that person right away. For people like to embellish their worth and their contributions and their actions, and they lie, and they make mistakes. They say one thing, and then they do another. And so we think about God and his claims in the same way. Is it really true that he created all things in six days? Is it really true that he is a loving God and that he does not want anyone to come to harm? Is that what the evidence around us tells us? And so we need evidence and assurance, understandable. And God gives it to us, plenty of it. But Satan sows doubt. Our own sinful condition hamper our ability to see his hand in all things. And therefore we need that evidence and we need that assurance time and again. And so he not only gives us the evidence, but he also gives that to us in a relationship of love. He does not come to us in some abstract way, but he comes to you and to me in a very intimate way. Do you need evidence that God cares for his creation? Well, the Lord Jesus came to heal all those who were afflicted. He healed the lame and those with horrible diseases. And he lifted the sins from those who were weighed down by them. And that is how he established his relationship with his disciples. 
And that is how he establishes his relationship with us. And now he speaks. And his words have meaning. If he were not a loving God, and if he did not experience his love, then we would not listen to him, would we? Then we would not believe in him, and then we would not have faith. And if your children do not experience God's love through you, then they will not believe either. If you are cold and unforgiving, with little or no compassion for others, you're always talking negatively about other people. And then whatever you say about God and his people will not make any impact on your children. You can only create faith through loving relationships. And for that reason, it is so important that children also experience stable and faithful relationships. For you see, our children see God through us as parents. It is through healthy relationships that God creates faith in the hearts of his people. Those relationships, however, are human relationships. And the problem is that we as humans are such sinful people, aren't we? Come to the second point. It is true that the Holy Spirit creates faith through the preaching of the gospel. Well, that is the primary means. That's also what Paul says to the Romans. He says to them in Romans 10, verse 14, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verse 23, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And then he says further in verse 25, And this is the word that was preached to you. The primary means in which God communicates to us is through the preaching. That's foremost. But who does the preaching? Sinful men. He used a man such as Paul. He was quite effective. But he was effective in spite of who he was. He had many limitations. For example, he was not an eloquent speaker. That's what he says himself in 1 Corinthians 2. He writes there in verse 1, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence. And further in verse 4, he says that his message and his preaching were not with persuasive words. He makes no apologies for that. Not that Paul has anything against eloquence, of course not. But that wasn't the primary thing. What was the primary thing? To preach Christ and him crucified. The preacher has to make that the central point in every message that he brings. And yet, there is such a human element in it, isn't there? The preaching never does justice 
complete justice to the greatness of God. Preaching is done with the human quirks of the minister who sometimes mispronounces words or whose sentence structure is not always as perfect as it could be. And sometimes there are unnecessary additions or glaring omissions. Different ministers also have different gifts. Some have strong and clear voices, others weak and grating voices. Some speak with an accent, others have difficulty communicating in a concise way using big words and long sentences. Not every preacher can dig as deep as another either. It could all be so much better. It is all so human, isn't it? And isn't that true of the way that we listen as well? The one understands more than another. And sometimes we do not hear correctly. Our minds wander. We get sleepy. I see some sleepy heads right now. We also have different preferences as to the kind of style of preaching from the various ministers. Again, it's all so human, isn't it? And what about the other two elements mentioned here in the Catechism? Baptism and Lord's Supper. We do not use it in the way that God intends it for us, do we? Do we really grasp the significance of baptism? And when you went to the Lord's Supper this morning, did you prepare yourself properly? And did you really think seriously enough about your sins and your shortcomings? And did you meditate properly on and understand the depth of the meaning of the forgiveness of sins through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Of course, we understand some of it. It's not as if we're all blind and dumb. But really, there is so much imperfection surrounding the preaching and the listening and everything that goes along with it. We are sinful people. But the great miracle is that God uses sinful people. Read your Bible. Look at the sinful people that he used to bring the gospel of salvation. That's how God has ordained it. But frequently, that human element is such a stumbling block to us, isn't it? We ourselves have such difficulty dealing with the humanness of it all. God created us in relationships. But our relationship with God and each other are broken, broken because of sin. For that reason, the relationship between children and parents are far from perfect. Parents are not always loving or reliable. They say one thing and do another. Some parents can be very harsh. Others can be much too permissive. And some are selfish and demanding. And yet God entrusts his word to parents so that they can pass that word, that precious word, on to their children. By and large, brothers and sisters, we are very blessed, aren't we? The relationships found here in the membership of this church are relatively stable. 
Well, sure, they're not perfect. Husbands and fights, uh, husbands and wives do fights, and marriages have their difficulties. Sometimes, even in our own midst, marriages break up. These things happen, but nothing like in the world. And that's because God always brings us back to a relationship with Him, and therefore also back to a relationship with one another. We have learned to forgive and to forget and to be humble. We believe in the renewal of all things, including the renewal of our relationship with God and with others. We know that we are not allowed to live in broken relationships. That is what God teaches us in his word. God also uses sinful men as preachers. He uses them in spite of their sins. Thank God. For the ministers of the word are not as faithful as they should be. They don't necessarily practice what they preach. They're not always loving and kind and compassionate. They will use people. They will look for praise and for other rewards. Those sinful human qualities challenge the faith of those being preached to. It makes it difficult for us to believe through people. And some will also walk away because of the sins that they see in their parents or siblings or friends or elders and ministers. Who wants anything to do with those people? I'm going to walk away from them or I'm going to ignore them. But then we forget that God has placed fathers and mothers in their office. And also that he has placed the leaders of the church in their office. Not, of course, that they're allowed to abuse you and say and do whatever they want. No. But if you know that those who come to you with God's word, that they are sincere in that, and that they do not want to live in their sins, then you had better not reject those means that God has placed on your path. Parents... Teachers and preachers have to try to be the best that they can be. They have to do their utmost to be loving and kind and faithful. And that's also how you have to see them. For they have those qualities. Beware of your human weakness, which always wants to focus on what is wrong rather than on what is right. For you see, that's what Satan wants you to do. Satan wants you to see the weakness of those who bring to you God's word. And he does not want you to see your own weaknesses and your own sins and your own faults. He does not want you to make allowances for the weakness of the human flesh of others. The Lord God, however, wants to use sinful people to bring his word. But there are so many things that get in the way, human things. And so we need reminders of what God is doing through sinful people. Our third point. God knows our weaknesses. And he knows that we do not just need the preaching, but also other reminders of his great love. Not so much because we are forgetful, but because we tend to want to ignore him or to downplay the importance of the relationship that we have with him and with his people. Article 17 of the Canons of Dort 
also tells us about the importance of the gospel and our need to be instructed in it. But the marks of the church are not just the preaching, but also the use of the sacraments and the exercise of biblical discipline. And those are the means he uses in order not only to bring us to faith, but also to maintain us in our faith and to strengthen us in our faith. And so we are told that those who give or receive instruction in the church should not neglect the sacraments and the admonitions. Let me ask you, how do you keep physically alive? Through food and drink, right? And you need a variety of food and drink. You will not stay alive by only eating cookies or by just eating steak. You also need fruit and vegetables and milk and other staples. They are the means used to sustain your life. What about your spiritual life? Well, you also need a variety of spiritual food, and it has to be solid food. It has to be good food. When you are physically hungry, then you feel it. You feel faint. Your stomach starts growling. You might even get sick. Those are reminders that you need to eat. You have those natural, physical reminders. But that's not necessarily the way it is with regard to our spiritual food, is it? And that is because of our sinfulness. We think we can do without God, and we think that we can do without the relationship that he has established. We think that we can ignore him. And so he gives us reminders and admonishments. First of all, remind us through those admonishments. Parents will admonish their children when they do something wrong, especially within the spiritual realm. That is part and parcel of the loving relationship that they have with their child. Through the words and rituals that are set up in their home, the reading of the Bible and prayer at the table, and through the bringing up of children, to the bringing of their children to church, they establish a certain pattern. And when children do not follow that pattern, then they are reminded and admonished. They are also admonished when they are doing something which goes against God's word. God uses also those admonishment and that kind of discipline in order to keep us in that loving relationship that he has established. The means of grace are nothing without that relationship. And that is why he also established the sacraments. This morning we could be reminded of the relationship with God, what it was all about when we celebrated the Lord's Supper. We had a visible reminder of the central message of the gospel. And what is that central message? That God wants to be glorified through the union that he has created. Everything points to that. Everything points to the union with God and the union that we have with one another. The preaching of the word and the sacraments are also called the means of grace. Those are the means that God uses to strengthen us in our faith. But we have to use them. Grace, gratia, is a gift. It is God's gift. God gives it to you, but you have to use it. 
You have to listen to the preaching. You have to partake of the sacraments or else you will die spiritually. Just like you will die if you do not eat physically. There are so many more elements to this. Because of our humanness, we need to look at these things and experience these things from so many different angles. And we forget. And for that reason, the preaching comes to you time and again. And so do the sacraments. God wants to continually remind you of the loving relationship that he has established with you and me. And once you know that, and once you realize that, then you will also hear his words. And your faith will be worked and strengthened. Amen.